0: I think that this healed me, which is going to sound crazy, I know. But I think these injuries, you know, the scars, the loss of my legs, the wheelchair, all of it, I think it healed me in a lot of ways that I didn't really even know that I needed. Hi, I'm Stephanie Schaefer, and you're entering a world gone good.
1: hello my name is steve and this is world gone good the podcast where we shine the light and or find the light in the darkness to prove there's still good out there and lots of it you can help us spread the good by sharing subscribing rating and reviewing this here show right there where you are listening to us right now every time you do you help more people find our show and for that we say as always thank you Here at World Gone Good, we aim to share the good, yes, yes, and we also aim to uplift and inspire. It's a lot to take on, but we think we're up to the task. My guest today is going to nail it on all three of those things. Let me just say this about my guest and about the show today. Perspective. Perspective is the word of the day. Perspective is a powerful, powerful thing. And today's good dose of perspective comes from Stephanie Schaefer. I don't want to give too much away here. I want to let her speak to you about her and her story and all of it, her perspective. But I promise you, I promise you this will happen when you hear what she has to say. You're going to do what I did. You're going to sit back and ask yourself, what the hell am I complaining about Stephanie Schaefer is with me today and she is we have a mutual friend who's Victoria Gaither but we're going to get there in a second we're going to start with the most hard-hitting question of all time the most deep question the most meaningful question Stephanie you've grown up your life your entire life being a Stephanie with an F (laughs) not a PH I want you to take a moment and tell us all how that's been for you
0: You know, it has been one of the biggest struggles of my life. I will say that. What a great question to
1: start with. (laughs) I'm so impressed. Has anyone asked you that before?
0: No, I've never been asked that. Usually people just assume it's a pH and we move on and I don't make a comment.
1: Oh my God, that's so funny. Well, you know, one of my favorite actors, I'm a little older than you, her name's Stephanie Powers. She was on a show called Heart to Heart in the 80s and I freaking love that show. And I've referenced that show on this podcast before so people listening are rolling their eyes. like, "Oh, here he goes again with Stephanie Powers. Ste- look her up. She's an F as well. So um, let's talk about license plates for like, for any like, you know, you get the license plate for your bike or a shirt with your name on it. Were there issues trying to Steph- Stephanie with an F? You know what I'm saying?
0: Oh, yes. I growing up, you know, you go to the you're on vacation with the family and uh, the whole group goes in to look for the little treats to buy. And I search the aisles and I swing through every row and there's never a Stephanie with an F. It's really sad. So, yeah.
1: Well, this is your moment. We're all here (laughs) for you.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much. You know, I should start like a support group for the rest of the Stephanie's with an F.
1: I may get, who knows, I might get some emails or tweets about it. You never know. <laughs> oh
0: my gosh, let me know. We can start a community. I love this.
1: So I know Victoria Gaither for many years, like at least a decade now. She's one of my favorite people. And she's like often and about, uh, I think in Killington right now. Uh, I don't know if that's where you met. Is that where you met?
0: So Killington's like 20 minutes from my house. Um, she works for one of the, I think only part-time works for the Mountain Times, which is one of the main newspapers in my area. So I just met her recently. but um, super, super nice person. Loved getting to know her. So she's great.
1: Yeah. So when I saw that she posted a little something about you, I was like, I need to speak with her. I need to get her on our show. And I'm going to quote here from you. You are committed to taking the hand that you were dealt and creating a positive platform to communicate and inspire others. Yes. And on that note, we're going to dive in to your story, because on June 30th, 2018, your life changed forever.
0: Yeah, it is quite the story.
1: You have our complete attention. I want you to tell everybody what happened.
0: It is a story that to this day seems surreal and almost hard to tell, not because like at this point, it's just fine and it is what it is you know like life is good now but um it the words are hard to say because it seems so unreal um it's just not something you ever really hear of um so what happened is my family and I and a group of our friends so we live in Vermont (laughs) very cold very long winters um it gets you know tough to get through the winters it feels like they're never gonna end so we were Um, planning a vacation to all go on together in this big group of us and we were tossing around ideas and we ended up going to the Bahamas and another little interesting fact is that for some reason when we were deciding to go in the Bahamas I like did not want to go you know you hear island vacation and usually it's like an immediate yes and I was like just did not want to go there for some reason but anyways, we land, um, we were on the island of Ixuma, and we were there for three days and it was perfect. we had this beautiful rental home. We were kayaking and snorkeling and doing everything you would imagine on a Bahamian vacation. And we went because we had seen this tour advertised everywhere. And it was to go and see the swimming pigs, in Ixuma. <laughs> And right there, it's like, this is just such a strange story, right? You're going to see the swimming pigs on an island. So we get in this tour boat and we loaded early and it was supposed to be a half day long tour, but only three minutes into it, the boat exploded directly beneath my seat. That is where it all starts.
1: Do you remember that moment or have you just been told that moment?
0: So I remember up until the moment, I remember looking around on the boat. I remember being terrified on the boat because we were going so fast and I knew something was like not right if we're going that fast, you know, like we're flying up in the air and we're slamming against the water and it's just not what you picture so I'm, my hands are like wrapped around my seat and I'm trying to play it cool. You know, like I'm trying to act like I'm that nervous I'm scanning around and everybody else is playing it cool too, you know? So we're all secretly terrified. And then, yeah, then it just goes dark.
1: And how old were you? You were 22? I was
0: 22. Yeah.
1: Wow. And were you the youngest person on the boat or were there younger people?
0: My little sister was with me and her friends. So they were both 13 at the time. And my gosh, my sister, 13 years old, stepped up to the plate that day and like truly helped save my life. She is, we had no idea she had those, you know, instincts in her, but she is just forever thankful for that, you know?
1: So what happened? How did she, how did she save your life?
0: When the explosion happened, I had been tossed from my seat and I was buried beneath a pile of just debris, and nobody could find me. Nobody knew where I was. They assumed I was in the water, like some people had been thrown, other people had stayed on the boat. And so it was actually two strangers from a boat right behind us that um, ran through the water to our boat and dug me out and lifted me over the edge. And basically the friends I was with floated me back to shore. And then when we get to shore, my sister's already back there because she's been rushed there first. And so she calms down my mom, who of course (laughs) is losing it when she sees me just in the condition that I was. And then there was no ambulance at shore. And so they took me in the back of a pickup truck to the hospital and this is when my sister stepped up. She got in beside me and she wouldn't let me close my eyes because if I had there was probably no chance they were going to open again. And she fed me water and she just kept me awake which I think is was everything at the time.
1: How many people were hurt on the boat that day?
0: <sighs> so actually one life was lost that day which is devastating um my mom was hurt she broke like six bones all at once um her lung collapsed and I mean I think that's it but like (laughs) that's still a huge deal um my sister wasn't hurt my stepdad was hurt a little bit and another person was um our friend was hurt a little bit so some people came out totally fine somehow, you know, besides the trauma of it all, but there was a, like four of us, I think.
1: So you rush to the hospital and then you spend some time at the hospital, you're put right into surgery or you're flown home. What happens?
0: So this is actually where the story gets really wild as if it wasn't enough. Um, So I was taken by a pickup truck to the first hospital and we get to the hospital and there's no doctors inside
1: oh my god
0: <laughs> right um so they did the nurses did what they could do and then it was just a mess i'm not remembering anything and then they fly me to nassau nassau i never know how to pronounce that and so that's definitely a you know a bigger hospital a more prepared hospital and there i was immediately rushed into surgery by the time i landed At that hospital, I eventually got my medical records and was reading them and saw that they took my vitals and I had no detectable vitals. (laughs) So basically I had no blood pressure. So I was somehow alive (laughs) with no blood pressure, which I can't totally understand. Um, I was rushed into surgery and both of my legs were amputated. Wow. And uh, yeah. And then my family was flown to meet me there. They land and they hear, you know, your daughter, she's alive, but she's lost both of her legs. And then we had to make a choice. Did we wait? And my organs were failing. Did we wait and start treatment there? Or did we just sort of risk it and try to get back to the United States? And so we decided to leave. And I was flown to A hospital in southern Florida, and I was there for about a month and a half before going to the next hospital.
1: And I've read that you had 40 surgeries at how many hospitals? Oh gosh,
0: I went from Florida to one hospital in Cambridge, Massachusetts, to then a third. And within the last few years, I've had about 44 or 42 surgeries. Yeah.
1: So this is, this was the hard part, right? That's the hard part to talk about. And for everyone listening going, oh my God, my life is, is, I'm not going to complain about anything anymore (laughs) ever again. Right?
0: That's the usual reaction. Yes.
1: (laughs) What do you think it was in your gut? I find it interesting that before you were going to go on the trip, you didn't want to go.
0: I have no idea. I think sometimes sometimes. I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to been trying to figure that out, obviously, for years. Um, I've talked to a lot of people about it. And everybody has different opinions. But part of me just thinks that, you know, maybe we were told, like, listening to our guts is like a silly thing to do. <laughs> but I think sometimes we just, I don't know, maybe no, you know, like, I am such an agreeable person. that that was probably the very first time in my life that I had tried to disagree with plans that were being made. So that's just very interesting to me.
1: Here's a question that I'm sure you've been asked in one form or another, and you can pass on this question if you want to. The question is, were you and are you angry?
0: Oh, gosh, I was so angry (laughs) for a little while at the beginning, um, because it was an entirely preventable thing, first of all. And then second of all, it's just, you know, the question of why me is ringing through your head 24-7. Um, But I'm not angry at all anymore. I think my life is so good now. I think I'm where I'm meant to be. I think things just happen and you make what you can of it. And I just, I don't think that I would, you know, change much if I could even now. So no, I, I definitely found forgiveness for kind of for myself, you know, to set me free from that anger.
1: That's pretty powerful stuff because, I mean, the average person obviously would get super dark. Yes. And we'd all understand Uh, that, right? I mean, no one here is going to say, oh, no, you don't have the right to, you know, buck up, little dodger. Like, no one's going to say that to you.
0: (laughs) No, no one would ever say that. Um, And I used to say that to myself at the beginning. Like, when I was in that dark phase, I totally was like, I'm not going to work to change this because this is justified anger and this is justified depression. And like, I'm just, I'm depressed because of what happened to me. And, you know, mental health is such a tricky thing. And I believe that it deserves our like utmost, like time and attention and all of that. But, um, I don't know, for me, it was deciding that this was either only going to be the very worst thing that ever happened to me. And I was, if I let that be the case, I was going to be stuck in a life where I was miserable 24 seven. And that just seemed even worse than my injuries, you know? So it was just deciding to let go of it. I mean, slowly, of course, piece by piece, but yeah, it was, it was a choice.
1: So how does the world look differently on the other side now?
0: Hmm, I think it's full of possibility now and yes they're terrifying at times because basically I came out of this as a you know a brand new person at 22 years old who is leaving the hospital and going back into the world and trying to figure it all out again you know not just trying to learn how to walk but trying to relearn every single task of my day and so I think at first it's only terrifying and now it's scary, but also really exciting. You know, there's, it's just looking at the power of our choices, I think, and seeing what we can really create out of almost every single day, you know, so.
1: You know, we explore here on this show, based on the name World Gone Good. And we talk to people like you who have been through some really hard hard times when we ask this crazy question and people cringe when i ask it i've I've, we've done shows on loss and and death and you know cancer and all different things and here comes again the cringe-worthy question i know some of the answer here and that again is what good comes out of this for you
0: i actually you know i get asked that question in like different ways some often, you know, like, they're like, I know this is crazy to ask, but are there any silver linings that you found? And there's the immediate answer is just yes. I mean, right away, it was the amount of good people that I met. Um, at first, it was, of course, doctors and nurses and people like that. But then it's just people that step up to help. And you really see the good and the generosity of people who you know, we said 40 something surgeries after when I came home, every single time that I had a surgery, there was a line of people waiting with food to feed my entire family, you know, so it's just seeing not everyone, you know, there's so much good, everybody is caring. um, And then for myself, it's, you know, the changes within myself, I think there were changes I never would have made if I hadn't, you know, been forced to. So there's just, endless silver linings, I think.
1: And I imagine you don't want this to be your um, stamp, your badge. You know what I mean? Right. You must have other things, obviously. You're only, what are you, 26?
0: 25, yes.
1: 25. Oh, God, just a babe. (laughs) Um, Babe in the woods. Uh, But there's obviously things you want to do with your life, right? And what are those things you want to do with your life?
0: Well, I just wrote a book. So that is being published on March 29th. And so that was the very first big goal that I made for myself after the injury. I mean, first was graduate from college. Obviously, I did that from hospital beds and laptops from, you know, recovering from surgery, finishing final assignments. (laughs) But second goal was to write the book. And I'm really excited for that to come out. But I really am just looking forward to once that's released, just stepping into any opportunity that comes either from it or just comes next and seeing what else I can make for myself. You know, I am keep saying it's a brand new life, a brand new person. And I'm just loving getting to fully pursue it.
1: The book is titled without any warning casualties of a Caribbean vacation.
0: <laughs> I, love, I love it because yes, you don't, you're not getting
1: too specific. You're just like, I'm just going to go with Caribbean right. or Caribbean. I'm not going to name, I'm not going to name names. <laughs> The book took you two years to write. Yes. What's the writing process? Were you a writer prior? Did you enjoy writing? Or was this something you just dove into and said, Let's do this?
0: I've always loved to write. It's um been always been something that like I knew I was it was one of my you know subjects that I was better at than the rest, you know, prefer an English class over math class, obviously. Um, yeah. but no, I've never written more than College papers, things like that. Um, So this was a big task to take on, but it's one that I really enjoyed. And it (laughs) writing this book was really like the greatest therapy of all time for me. Um, I was living the chapters while I was writing them, so it's not like I waited a few years and then went back and wrote about it. You know, like so it's very specific. It's not like looking back on it. It's like I'm living this and I'm writing this and. I remember every thought that I was having and I'm writing down the thoughts. So I think personally, I think that makes it a good story because it's very raw and honest. And for me, writing it was just like working through it and moving on once the chapter was done.
1: That's so key because I was going to ask you, was it hard to write it? And were you separating yourself or were you in it and emotional and did it pour out that that's was my gonna be my next question
0: yeah i tried to really put myself in each moment so i didn't write the book in order which might be funny to people who have wrote their own books i'm not sure how everybody else does it but i would wake up that morning and you know usually something would be weighing like really heavy on my mind and whether it was like oh my gosh remember that dialysis dialysis session that was (laughs) so painful and so hard and where I would you know and I'd write about that where I would receive some email regarding the legal situation of this and I would write about that so I really put myself in it so that it could just flow out like you know without thought it would just you get into it and it just the words just came what did you study in college actually studied health promotion. Um, Yeah. So similar to public health.
1: Oh, nice. Do you see yourself getting back into that at some point?
0: So I did a little bit. So in certain ways, you know, so I'm actually do a lot of public speaking for the American Red Cross and I promote a lot of our blood drives and I work on like in that way. So that has felt like getting into, you know, my field and um, so I'll do a lot of public speaking now. And so not just with the American Red Cross, but sometimes there's nonprofits and stuff around here that focus on healthy living or mental health and things like that. And I'll go into the community and talk about that. So that's been like a different path, I think, of getting into the fields that I was planning on. But it, I still feel like I'm in the field. You know what I mean? I,
1: I totally know what you mean. Jumping back to Vermont here, because my brain goes all over the place. Vermont, as we discussed, is a very snowy place. Were you a ski bunny, so to speak? Were you a skier? That's that's not me being, um, uh, uh, not masochistic. What word was I looking for? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I was going to say ski splaining, <laughs> which is like man, <laughs> mansplaining, but skiing. Did you enjoy skiing at, before? And now, are you skiing now?
0: So I am skiing now. And then before I was, I had obviously learned how to ski as a kid because, living in Vermont, you have to, or there's nothing else to do in the winter. And I had really grown like away from it, I guess. And it was actually the season before I got hurt that I had just like retaught myself, I guess, how to ski. And that was my first winter back. So I had one winter of skiing before I got hurt. And then I remember being so sad about that. I was like, oh my gosh, I just taught myself how to ski again. But um it was it was cool. I was learning on Instagram one day and I saw these Paralympic Nordic sit skiers. So cross-country sit skiing. And I was like, this looks kind of really cool. And so I started doing that instead of doing downhill skiing. And I like, I love that. So I get in my little sit ski and I, I do cross-country skiing every winter.
1: A question I ask so many people. And again, this is one of those questions that my listeners go, Oh God, he's going to ask it. Um, what would you say to your 21, 19, even 18 year old self about life? If you could go back and talk to her based on where you are now?
0: I would tell her to stop worrying so much. (laughs) Um, I think that this healed me, which is going to sound crazy. I know, but I think these injuries, you know, the scars, the loss of my legs, the wheelchair, all of it. I think it healed me in a lot of ways that I didn't really even know that I needed. I used to worry so much about what people were thinking about me and trying to blend in and not being different and, you know, being on trend and, you know, every, everything that you worry about as a young, I think a younger female, but really everybody. And now I just, it doesn't, I don't think about it. It's like, I was forced to be different, you know, in the, these ways. And without being forced, I think I would have always been too afraid to be my like own self. So I would just, if I could go back, I would just, you know, tell her to be herself and be comfortable in that because, you know, don't take it for granted, you know?
1: And on that note, for everyone who's listening, what do you want people to walk away from hearing your story, reading your novel, what what is it you want them to walk away with?
0: I think a big thing for me has been that we all have our own hardships and we all have our own sometimes traumas, you know, and we have stuff that we have to go through and it can feel like the end of the world. But I have seen and that no matter what happens to us, that it's our responses that are so much more important. And it's those decisions and reactions that really define ourselves and our lives so much more than the events that we give so much credit to.
1: The book is called Without Any Warning, Casualties of a Caribbean or Caribbean. I never know how to say it. Vacation. Where can people pick it up? March 29th that comes out, where do they get it?
0: So you can go to my website, which is just my name, Stephanie with an F, as you pointed out, Schaefer.com. Or you can just go right on Amazon, and it'll be right on there with that, you know, search the title, and it'll be quick and easy on there.
1: Where do people find you online if they want to follow you and follow your story? What are your um, social handles if you want to share them?
0: Instagram is where I do the most frequent updates and share bits and pieces of my life. So, again, my name is Stephanie Schaefer. I think there's three R's at the end.
1: And we close these shows with two questions. All the shows close like this here at World Gone Good. You can reflect back to anything we've already talked about or anything you want to say. So the first question is pretty simple. It is who inspires you?
0: That's a good question. Definitely my mom. My mom inspires me to be good and kind and to put, you know, real effort into my relationships with people, whether it be a friendship, someone I work with, you know, whatever, just to give your all, I think in every circumstance is what she has inspired me to do. And then everyone that I've met throughout these years, I feel like, I feel like I'm constantly inspired recently. The people in the disability community that I've come to know and to love inspire me so much because (laughs) living with these injuries can be so hard and so scary. And to see the amazing things that these people do and what they have created for themselves in despite what has happened to us, I think it's just so inspiring.
1: And the final question isn't even a question. It's just a statement to finish any way you want. And the statement is, tell me something good.
0: I think what we already said, which is that it's, I think for me, it's always been so good to know that We're really in control of our lives with how we react to things and respond. And then, again, personally, for me, it's it's something good for myself and for my family has been that despite what happened to us, seeing that we've all hung in there together and, um, you know, seeing my sister grow up after going through what she went through and applying for colleges now and who she's made herself become, not letting this change that at all has been really wonderful to see.
1: I talk to all sorts of people on this show. I talk to authors and actors and famous people and not so famous people and people who run organizations. And we talk about the good of musicals and the good of love and all sorts of topics. But my absolute favorite is talking to people like you who are just everyday people who got in a situation and found the good. And so I truly thank you for um, saying yes. And saying yes, I I I know that some of it was we owe our friend Victoria. Thank you because you might have said no to me, (laughs) but (laughs) no. (laughs) Hopefully, (laughs) hopefully she said good things about me. But I truly, (laughs) she did. I truly thank you for this, and and my audience thanks you because the world is a crazy, crazy place, and we have the opportunity Mm -hmm. all the time to get dark or get light. And Mm -hmm. it's truly amazing to me that there are people out there like you in situations that I don't know how what I would do, but you're so inspiring <laughs> that you, you chose to get light.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Stephanie, for sharing your good. Go grab her book and read her entire inspiring story. Next time on World Gone Good. Oh, the farmer's market is a great place for people to come together. It was for us, it was an opportunity for public education about
0: monarchs and how to support them. It's just important to get fresh local food. Uh, You know, everything here comes from California. Um, You know, I, I get it right from the guy who picks it off the tree and hand it right to you.
1: Farmer's market is local. It's great. These are people who live here, who work here. You're supporting your local economy. It's another world gone good first. We venture out of the studio. I say that loosely. You should see how I record this thing. And to find out, we're finding out what is good about the farmer's market. From a farmer from Kazakhstan who now lives in California to seed swapping. That sounds way dirtier than it actually is to the good of kelp farming to saving butterflies we are off to meet the locals who bring our community together every saturday morning it is going to be a good one i can't wait for you to join me to hear it until then be good